Lord, we thank you for who you are. And I'm so aware that we don't recognize who you are, and therefore we do not recognize who we are in you. I pray this morning that our hearts would be warmed by your presence, that we would recognize who you are, what you've done for us, and how that changes everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is um, the London Marathon, I'm sure you're aware, and um, my friend Steve, Steve Norwood, who maybe some of you know, is running the marathon today, and Sam, who also plays keyboard some weeks, is also running. Now, I doubt any of you have ever watched the London Marathon because it's always on in church time and you're always here, I suppose, and I know I've seen it a couple of times, so maybe that makes me the biggest backslider, or, um, but... One of the things I love about the London Marathon is those people who are running on behalf of somebody else. Here we have uh, Caroline and Lisa, and they're running, well actually that's not their names, that's the people they're running for. They're running for someone called Caroline, and they're running for someone called Lisa. And I love that, that they're not having their name on their vest, but most people are having the name of the person they're doing this for on their vest. Or we've got another picture here, somebody called David running the, the marathon. No, not somebody called David. This person is running for somebody called David. And then we have in the next picture, two people running for somebody called Terry and somebody called John. And I was thinking, you know, just imagine that you knew someone was running the marathon for you. I mean, I kind of think I'd be blown away going, God, they're, they're doing that for me. They're running the marathon for me. I have another example of something that I think kind of makes me stop and go, there was a moment last week when I went, for me. You see, a lovely couple came up to me at the end of uh, the service last week and offered to help me out with something. And it was such a lovely, extravagant gift. And I just didn't know what to say. And I probably seemed really, really ungrateful because I probably just went, yeah, thanks. And, uh, but really, in my heart, I was going, me? Surely you would not do that for me. I mean, for me. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, when he writes, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And he's saying there in verse 4, but because of his great love for us, what he is saying is that Jesus has done everything for me. That everything he ever did was for me. That he, who is the creator of the stars in the sky, the creator of all planets, the creator of all galaxies, the galaxies that are separated from one another by vast distances of time and space, he, 
Jesus was born for me. Luke, in his gospel, chapter 2 and verse 52, says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And when I read that, I think, oh, Jesus, Jesus, he became a man for me. He who is the uncreated, eternal Son of God, he who in the beginningless beginning was with God, he who did not become an archangel or an angel when he stepped out of heaven to come to earth. No, he who when he stepped out of heaven, he stepped down and he became a man. And he became a man for me. And he was a man who went to bed in the evening, who had to get up in the the morning, a man who worked hard at physical labor, a man whose hands and back were probably sore from bending over the carpenter's bench, a man who maybe when he walked around the Sea of Galilee saw how lovely it all looked, a man who probably got hungry and who maybe enjoyed a heaped up plate of food, he who is the source of all life He who is life itself. He who is the source of all light and he who is light itself. He who is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. He who is all wisdom and knowledge. He became a man for me. He left the splendor of heaven where he was adored and worshipped. And he became a carpenter's apprentice. And he did that for me. And one day when Jesus was in the synagogue, the opportunity was given for anyone to go and share a few verses from the word of God. And Jesus, he stood up and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And when I hear Jesus preaching the gospel to the poor, to the oppressed, I know he's doing it for me. When I see Jesus setting the captive free, I know he's doing it for me. And Jesus, he came for ordinary men and women whose lives were grim with misery, whose very existences were gray with monotony. And he said something special and something individual to each one of them. And yet his message to them all was the same. He said, new lives for old. New lives for old. And all the time, wherever he went, he was always asking the people to come to him. And they came. The prisoner prisoner and the friendless. And they got new lives for old. The prostitute and the con man. And they got new lives for old. The unwanted. The unlovable. And they came. And when they came, they found that their hearts were gladdened and warmed by this man from Galilee. And the religious man and the drifter, 
the searcher and the ashamed. And they came to him, and they got new lives for old. And when I see and when I hear Jesus calling them, I know he's calling me. And when I see them coming to Jesus, and when I see them getting new lives for old, I know I can come as well. Because Jesus, he did it for me. And when Jesus was in the upper room before his death, Jesus said something really important. In Luke chapter 22, it says that Jesus had broken the bread and said, this is my body given for you. And I can imagine that as Jesus took the bread and tore it, and as he said these words, the pain will have come into the eyes of the disciples. For the tearing of the bread will have shown all too clearly to the disciples that Jesus was going to die a painful and violent death. Just as this bread is torn, pulled apart, so my body is going to be. And in what Jesus said, there are two tiny little words that make all the difference. Two little words that potentially could be two of the most meaningful words in Scripture. He said, this bread is my body, given For you. For you. He looked at his disciples and he said, Thomas, Thomas, it's for you with all your doubts. Peter, it's for you with all your impulsiveness and all your good intentions. It's for you. Judas, Judas. My body is given for you. And this morning, whoever you are, however you feel, whatever you've done, it's for you. The body of Jesus was given for you. And after the Last Supper, Jesus, who is the fountain of life, he was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane to die. And while he had been in the garden, he had prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And then he stood up and he began to stride towards Calvary. And each stride, each step he took, took him nearer the cross. Each time Jesus lifted his foot and placed it in front of the other, took him nearer to death and to pain. And each stride and each step he took for you. He took for me. Listen to how Isaiah describes the death of Jesus. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed and Isaiah is saying he did it for me and he did it for you 
and Jesus was nailed to the cross. And as he was nailed to the cross by his hands and his feet, he was mocked. Mark chapter 15, 31, we read that the chief priest mocked Jesus saying that he saved others, but he can't save himself. Come down from the cross. Come down, save yourself. And I sometimes think maybe this possibly, maybe, try not to be heretical, was the greatest temptation that Jesus had. For all the time on the cross, Jesus could have come down. That moment after moment, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, knew he could have come down from the cross. What a temptation. For every moment as he hung there in pain, he knew he could come down. Every moment as the agony flooded through his body, he knew he could have come down. But he resisted the temptation and with a great unceasing act of will, moment by moment he chose to remain on the cross. Why? For me. He stayed there for me. Why? Because he loved me. And if Jesus had loved me any less, he would have come down. If Jesus had loved you one iota less, he would have chosen to come down from the cross and save himself. But because he loved me, he stayed on the cross. And because he loved you, he stayed on the cross. And yet, death for Jesus was not the end. For God raised him up. An early church father named Clement of Alexandria, speaking of the resurrection, says this, that Jesus in the resurrection turned all our sunsets into dawns. And he did that for me. He turned all our sunsets into dawns. And I think, what if this had not happened? What if there'd been the pain and the misery of the refugees fleeing for their lives? What if there'd been the horror of that baby washed up on the Italian beach? But there was no baby born in Bethlehem. What if there had been the devastation of the Turkish earthquake where over 50,000 lives are said to have been lost but there was no man from Galilee? What if there had been the permanent scars left by the crippling internal pain caused by self-harm but there was no veil torn in two? What if there had been the horror their family faces when their child has died by suicide? But there was no Easter morning. What if there had been no cross? What if there had been no empty tomb? 
What if there had been no Lamb of God taking away the sins of the world? What if our sins were still held against us? What if it all had never been? If Jesus had never come, never lived, never loved, and never died? Then all we would have today is sunsets. All we would have is the stillness of the tomb and the silence of the grave and the nothingness of a life separated from God. What if? But he did it for me. And he did it for you. And death is not the end of Christ's story, and death will not be the end of our story. Yesterday, as I was preparing in my heart, I was in the front room and I was listening to uh, the greatest prophet of the 20th century, Bob Dylan. And I think Claire heard the, the music and thought, what on earth is going on in there, and she came in, and I had tears flooding down my face. And I think she thought I was sad, and there was this huge part of me that is and was and am, and yet what she had missed was my hands in the air. Bob Dylan said, when you're sad and when you're lonely and you haven't got a friend, and all you've held sacred falls down and does not mend. Just remember that death is not the end. When you're standing at the crossroads that you cannot comprehend and all your dreams have vanished and you just don't know what's round the bend, just remember that death is not the end. When the storm clouds gather round you and the heavy rains descend and there's no one there to comfort you with a helping hand to lend, just remember, death is not the end because the tree of life is growing where the spirit never dies and the bright light of salvation shines in dark and empty skies. Just remember. Remember that death is not the end. Paul says in Ephesians 2.6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And when we die, it will not be the end for we will be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That blows my mind. What an honor, what a privilege to be seated next to Christ. And yet there is more. For not only do we get to sit with Christ, we also get to appear with him again. In Colossians 3, 4 it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. These three little words, you will appear. We will appear again. 
we will appear again. When Christ comes back to earth, we will appear with him. And as we come appearing with him in glory, each one of us will be saying, he did it for me. As we march together through the streets of the new Jerusalem where the only light is the Lamb of God, we will not only sing glory, glory, glory to the Lord God Almighty, but we will also be singing, He did it for me. And when we walk through the streets that are paved with gold, we will not only sing holy, 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 we will also sing, he did it for me. He did it for me. And why? Well, most folk, when they do something for us, they want something back. But not Jesus. We shouldn't misrepresent Jesus. He did it for me, not to make me feel guilty, he did it for me not to make me feel burdened with a sense of indebtedness. We read twice in that passage in Ephesians in verses 5 and there in verse 8 that it is by grace that we have been saved. It is by grace. All Christ has done for us is by grace. And grace is free. Grace never asks for anything back. Grace looks for no return. It is a free gift from God. And he did it for me, and he did it for free. He did it to gladden my heart. He did it to bless my life. He did it for me, and he did it for free because he loves me. And he did it for you because he loves you. And Jesus, this morning, whoever you are, however you feel, whatever is going on in your life, he did it for you. He did it because he loves you. This very same Jesus that created the universe, who is described as holy and majestic, who is called the Lamb of God, who's called the light of the world, who's called the rock of ages, the alpha and the omega, the prince of peace, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He did it for you. Why? Because he loves you. And this morning, more than anything else, he wants you to know that he loves you. And one day when we approach the eternal throne and kneel at Christ's feet, when we see the scars on his hands and his feet, and when we look on his face, we will hear him say the words, Oh, my beloved, I did it for you. My beloved, I did it for you. And as we come to communion, let us stop. 
Let us look in the eyes of Jesus. Let us gaze on his face. Let us hear him tell us, my beloved, my precious child, I did it for you. I was born for you. I became a man for you. My body, it was given for you. I remained on the cross for you. I died for you. I did it for you. I did it to bless your heart, to give you new lives for old, to turn your sunsets into dawns. Jesus, he did it for you. Thank you.